Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hello and welcome to World Weekly from the Financial Times. I'm Gideon Rachman. Today we're looking at political change in Poland, where the highly conservative Law and Justice Party has just won the general election. So what does this change mean for the European Union and for Poland itself? Joining me to discuss this are Henry Foy, our Warsaw correspondent who's on the line from Poland, and here in the studio is our Europe editor, Tony Barber. Tony, first of all, why did law and justice actually win this sweeping victory, given that Poland's generally regarded as a country that's been doing pretty well over the last 10 years? Well, first of all, one has to keep in mind that the previous ruling party, the centre-right civic platform, had been in power for eight consecutive years. And there is a certain impatience, I think, in post-communist countries with governments that have been in power that long. And You've seen this elsewhere in the region, and now it was Poland's turn. It is true that the economic record of the previous uh, government was pretty impressive. However, there were two ways in which that didn't stop people from voting for change. One is that the benefits of of economic progress were not equally shared among the population. So a lot of people who lived outside the big cities where you see most change in Poland didn't feel they were getting enough out of this progress. And then secondly, a a more subtle point, Poles who were doing well in recent times and who have begun to compare themselves more easily with their neighbours to the West, particularly Germans, I believe they felt they should be doing even better And so the previous government, although it has a very creditable record uh, to boast about, they felt somehow hadn't done enough even for them. And there were also some uh, political scandals surrounding the previous government. And then there was the fact that law and justice did quite a good job in not displaying its more abrasive and peculiar side, the side that older voters would remember from their time in power from 2005 to seven. Poland is a country where there's a younger generation of voters had grown up in the last decade. They have very little memory of law and justice's previous time in power. And all in all, this combined to produce the victory for law and justice, which is, one has to say, a real landmark in the quarter of a century since the end of communism in Poland. So, Henry, I mean, uh, by Tony's account, law and justice presented a more moderate face in this election, and yet it's routinely described as socially conservative. Just give us an idea of what it stands for, what kind of positions it's taken. It's socially conservative, very, very deeply rooted in the traditions of the Catholic Church, which is dominant here in Poland. It's strongly against things such as gay marriage, uh, reproductive rights, uh, things like IVF and um, liberal abortion policies, even though Poland has one of the most restrictive abortion programs in the European Union. It's also quite uh, Eurosceptic. It's much more pro-US and pro-NATO than Brussels. And it's been very, very outspoken on the topic of migrants. Of course, this migrant refugee crisis that Europe's been grappling with over this summer. Mr. Jarosław Kaczynski, the leader of Law and Justice, made some 
pretty outspoken comments regarding migrants and the possibility that they could bring diseases and parasites to Europe and really tapped into this fear in Poland, this fear of the outsider, if you like, of heightened immigration and drove a real line between uh, law and justice and the incumbent government, which after a few weeks of flip-flopping over whether it would accept migrants, it did in the end sign up to a German-led plan to accept refugees from Syria. So that was, even though the polls were suggesting law and justice were in the lead at that point, that was a a real marker, if you like, in terms of dividing the two parties. And of course, Tony, that spells trouble for the European Union because the migrant crisis is pretty intense. And if Poland, one of the bigger countries in the EU, countries that work well with Germany, is now setting its face against taking a share of the migrants at a time when Germany is under enormous pressure, that doesn't sound good. Well, we'll have to wait and see what the new government actually does in practice. I think it is true, however, that we're probably in for a bumpy ride in the short term in relations between Poland and the EU. One thinks not only of the migrant question, one thinks of climate change policy, where I would expect a tougher line from law and justice in defence of Poland's position as a country that relies very heavily on coal for its energy supplies. I would also expect a tone of what Henry calls Euroscepticism that won't play particularly well in uh, Germany in particular. This has something to do with the sense in Poland that there is a Brussels consensus that's way to the left of what uh, law and justice stands for, and it's all a bit wishy-washy and it's not vigorous enough and it, it all could constitute a kind of threat to the Polish national values that law and justice says it believes in. Against all this, though, one has to keep in mind that Poland is a beneficiary from uh, EU regional aid and agricultural subsidy funds, and it's that EU money which, more than anything, has really contributed to the modernisation of the Polish economy and infrastructure over the last 10 years. And I don't think law and justice, or for that matter, anybody in Poland would want to see anything that jeopardised that source of modernisation. And Henry, I mean, so how hardborn do you think the new Polish government will play this, the migrant issue and just general relations with you, particularly given that the president of the European Council is a Pole, Donald Tusk, albeit one from the opposite political family? Of course, Mr. Tusk, when he was prime minister here, he ran against Mr. Kaczynski in a number of elections and defeated him. They were fierce rivals in Parliament. Mr. Kaczynski was very outspoken in his criticism of Mr. Tusk's government, especially over the Smolensk air disaster, which of course killed Mr. Kaczynski's brother Lech, who was then president. There's a lot of bad blood between the two men. When Mr. Duda was elected president of Poland, there was talk that Poland perhaps might not support Mr. Tusk's re-election, his second two and a half years as president of the European Council. And I do think we will see an increase in the rhetoric against Mr. Tusk, especially in the media here, as that swings behind a law and justice position. I think just to add to Tony's point, there may also be issues with the EU's fiscal programme. Law and justice is advocating much more monetary loosening. It wants to spend far more money on populist handouts. And there is talk amongst economists here that that extra spending, even though they are proposing tax rises as well, may see Poland fall back into the excessive deficit procedure. So I think there's lots of grounds here, in addition to my and climate change where the new government may well just have less inclination to try to please Brussels. I think that's a better way of 
phrasing it, under Mr Tusk, under the civic platform government, there was a sense in Poland that they should do things that would please Brussels, that would give them a seat at the top table in the EU, that would make them seem like a responsible partner. They're not going to act irresponsibly on purpose. I just don't think that the European line will be the one that they promote over the Polish one. And Tony, uh, place it in some kind of European context for us. I mean, some people have compared Mr Kaczynski to Viktor Orban, the populist, pretty right-wing leader of Hungary, who's obviously played a very controversial role in the refugee crisis. Do you think that's a fair comparison? Not entirely, no. I think that uh, although it's true that Yaroslav Kaczynski has expressed a certain admiration for some of the things that Viktor Orban has done in Hungary, particularly the rather muscular way in which he's made banks do what he wants to do and the way he's imposed his will on the high courts of the country in these areas. There are comparisons there, but there's one very important difference, and I think this relates to policy towards Russia, where Viktor Orban has flirted quite a bit with Moscow, even if in the end he's stayed within uh, the EU and NATO alliance. Now, I don't think you would see any Polish leader do that, least of all uh, law and justice, because for them, Russia is a country with which Poland has had deep, searing historical problems. And if anything, law and justice would probably want a slightly tougher NATO position towards Russia, for example, by being willing to accept, indeed ask for a a permanent American military presence in Poland. Yeah, and Henry, let's end on that foreign policy point, because obviously, for the past year, maybe before the migrant crisis, the overwhelming question for Poland has been the crisis in neighbouring Ukraine, the sense that Russia was once again moving into an aggressive phase. Does that mean, do you think, that the Kaczynski government is likely to take it easy, really, with the European Union because they need their European partners, surely? I think that is something to bear in mind. It's also Warsaw, of course, hosting the biannual NATO conference next year in July in the summer, which means you'll have a law and justice president, a law and justice prime minister, and a law and justice defence minister leading that, setting the tone. They're already drawing up the agenda for that meeting. And we do know that, as Tony says, a permanent NATO base in Poland will be one of the major talking points. NATO have been very reluctant to go either way on that. We know that the French and the Germans are very sceptical of the possibility of that happening. And one other thing to bear in mind is that Mr Kaczynski has never really been much of a foreign policy buff. He's not massively concerned with things like that. During his first term in office, 2005-2007, he had some pretty public spats with the German Chancellor Angela Merkel, and every time he sort of stepped onto the foreign policy stage, the headlines were bad. His first priority, I think, will be domestic issues. It will be taxes, increasing taxes on the banks, the supermarkets, and increasing the handouts for poorer polls and for the elderly. These are his real core constituents and his major campaign promises. But I do think as July gets closer, this issue of defence, foreign policy, and Poland's role in NATO and and its role vis-a-vis Russia will certainly rise to the fore. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks to Henry Foy there in Warsaw, and thanks also to Tony Barber here in the studio in London. That's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. 
Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.